Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Michael Bracken. And if you're interested, I interviewed Michael years ago for the 22nd episode of this podcast. I'll include a link to that earlier interview in the show notes. Bracken is an award-winning writer of fiction, nonfiction, and advertising copy. An Edgar Award nominee, he has received multiple awards for copywriting, three Derringer Awards for short fiction, and the Edward D. Hotch Memorial Golden Derringer Award for Lifetime Achievement in Short Mystery Fiction. The author of several books and more than 1,200 short stories, he has edited 20 published or forthcoming crime fiction anthologies. His short crime fiction has appeared in Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, Black Cat Mystery Magazine, Black Mask, Crime Square, Down and Out the Magazine, Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, and many others. A multi-genre writer, Bracken has also published erotica, fantasy, horror, and science fiction short stories, and he wrote so many stories for women's magazines such as True Confessions, True Experience, True Love, True Romance, and True Story that he was dubbed the King of Confessions. He is also the editor of 20 published or forthcoming crime fiction anthologies, including the Anthony Award-nominated The Eyes of Texas, Private Eyes from the Panhandle to the Piney Woods, and three-volume Fedora series in the multi-volume Mickey Finn 21st Century Noir. Michael Bracken, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's uh, been a long time and a lot has changed since we last spoke. (laughs) A lot has changed. Well, the first question, given everything that I just described about you, when do you find time to sleep? Um, Tuesdays between 2 and (laughs) 2.30. So what is the most recent short story anthology that you've edited that has been published? The most recently published is Groovy Gumshoes, Private Eyes from the Psychedelic 60s that was released in April. And I have another one actually coming out in December in the Mickey Finn series. Mickey Finn 3 comes out in December. And so um, the Groovy Gumshoes, can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, in terms of editing a short story anthology, once you had the idea of 1960s kind of private eye stories, um, what do you do in terms of presenting that to a publisher and, and soliciting stories? Once you have the concept, you have to write a proposal or a, a, depends on the publisher and how much work you've done with them in the past. But basically, it's a paragraph or two describing the anthology and how you're going to get the contributors, if it's going to be invitation only, or if it's going to be open call. And you tell the publisher approximately how many words you expect it to be and when you expect to be able to turn it in. And on a good day, the publisher gives you a thumbs up, and then you go out and start soliciting your stories. With Groovy Gumshoes, it was open call, so I received a whole lot of stories for it. And it's a process of just reading and trying to find the stories that fit the concept and that work well together. And when it's open call, do you also um, ask some published writers to submit as well, or how does that work? Well, with open call, certainly published writers are going to submit. Um, I make sure that writers that I've worked with before know that the open call exists. Right. Um, But 
with an open call, I don't specifically target um, writers. I just, here's the open call. Here's everybody. Let's take a shot at it. I do edit sometimes anthologies that are strictly invitation only. And in, in those cases, I generally know who I, I'd like to ask to contribute. And, you know, I send them the, the, the guidelines and say, this is what I'm doing. Are you interested? Can you meet the deadline? And most of the time, the writers say yes. That's and great. they give me great stories. And I'm curious, is the Guns and Taco anthology series still being published? Uh, this is the last season for Guns and Tacos. Um, the last, re uh, it's released once a month, the last six months of the year. We've gone four seasons. So we still have the October, November, and December releases to come out. And then they get gathered into uh, paperbacks. Uh, and then starting next season, I'm editing Chop Shop, which is a similar uh, type of thing. But it uh, revolves around car thieves and uh, set in Dallas where the car thieves go to a particular chop shop when they, when they steal their cars. And can you describe the Guns and Taco premise for those listeners who may not be familiar with that anthology series? Uh, Guns and Tacos is about a taco stand in, New Sh in Chicago where if you order the special special, you can get a gun, uh, usually a handgun. It's any kind of a gun that can be basically passed through the order window in a, in a paper bag. So, you know, there's no uh, rifles or long guns, but mostly pistols. But you are at the mercy of whatever they have that day. So most of the time you get a pistol or you get a revolver. But we had one story where what you got was a flare gun. And so the criminal who gets the weapon has to figure out how to do whatever it is they want to do with the weapon that they're, they're given that day. That's fun. Well, I, I'm curious when you do an open call, what is the editing process for you when you're putting together a short story anthology are um, obviously in the example of, of groovy gumshoes, which is 1960s private eye stories. Um, are you looking for stories that, that fit the premise are you looking for stories that just catch your eye and keep you reading? Can you tell us a little bit about the editing process for you? Okay. When reading Groovy Gumshoes, there were a couple of things that the writers had to keep in mind. Uh, number one, it had to be a private eye story, a real private eye, not somebody who does a little investigating on the side. I wanted actual full-time, this is how they make their living, private eyes. Um, second thing, obviously, had to be set during or predominantly in the 1960s. You know, there could be a flashback to an earlier time if necessary, but it had to be set in or predominantly in the 1960s. And then every story had to be tied in some way to a historical event from the 1960s. It didn't need to be about the event, but the event had to play a role. So, for example, my own contribution um, takes place with a private eye who's following a woman through Dealey Plaza at the moment John Kennedy is shot. And of course, he's distracted. He looks at the assassination, and when he looks back, she's gone. So then he asks, well, what happened to her? Where did she go? I need to find her again. And then the story takes place over the next couple of days, and it ends with uh, uh, Jack Ruby shooting, um, I just forgot his name, shooting the guy who, who, Oswald. who killed uh, Oswald. Yeah, shooting Oswald. So the whole story takes place in that very tight time frame. 
And it's clearly not about the assassination, but the assassination plays a key role in how the story plays out. Interesting. Well, as I I mentioned... Go ahead. I was looking for those kinds of ways of using historical events. So first off, it had to meet those three criteria. And then, was it well-written? Did the plot make sense? Um, How much work would I have to do to make it publishable? Perfect story would be I wouldn't have to do anything, but some stories need a little work, some stories need a lot of work. That's great. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, you've written more than 1,200 short stories. I'm wondering if we can go back to the beginning. When did you first start writing? And also, can you remember when did you start submitting short stories for publication? And do you remember the first short story that you had published? I started writing with intent. I think I told you this one before. In the eighth grade, I wrote a story um, called The 1812 Battle of Two Rocks, showed it to my mother and told her I'm going to be a writer. She gave me a typewriter. um, And that was the start of it. Um, My first published story was probably in my uh, first published poem was my junior high school, ninth grade literary magazine, a couple of stories in my high school literary magazine. you know, high school stuff. But when I was in high school, I was submitting for publication while other kids were shooting baskets and throwing footballs. I was pounding the keyboard and sending stories out. And my first professionally published story, I wrote it when I was 17 and it sold, but didn't actually appear in print until I was 21. It was uh, The Magic Stone published in a uh, magazine for uh, teenagers called uh, Young World. and it was a, a short fantasy, and that was the first professional sale. And then it started from there. That's wild. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, when you sit down to write a story, do you usually have an idea of the story plot in your mind already, or do you start with a sentence or an image? What's that process like for you? Most of the time, it starts with an opening scene or opening image. I have, oh, that would be a great way to start a story. So I sit down and I write that. And I write as far as I can get with that that opening scene or that opening idea. And then usually the story sits for a while. And then I come back to it and I go, I do, let's call it a rough outline. It's not a point by point. It's like, okay, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. And here's where I want to go. And then I can start writing. I'm still locked into a process from many years ago where sometimes a story, I only had a sentence today and a paragraph next month and maybe another scene a year from now. So I still have that process where some stories take for bloody ever to get from first word to final draft. Other stories come out pretty quickly. I'm done in a day or two. And I'm curious about kind of the nuts and bolts of um, how you, uh, you know, as, as the process that you just described, I'm just curious about kind of the mechanical process. I mean, do you have like, it sounds to me like most likely you probably have 
um, lots and lots of semi-completed stories that you have on your computer in a folder and you can just open one up and add a sentence or a paragraph. Is that the case? Yes, that's still the case. There's probably about 200 partials in, in my various folders on my computer. And it's a case of sometimes I don't finish them because there's no clear market. So I've got the great idea, but if there's no place to publish it, I'll let it simmer for a while till a, a publication or a call comes out that it fits. Other times, it's just I, I don't know where it's going yet, so I just let it sit. And I'm curious, do you ever sit down to a completely blank page and not know what you're going to write? And if so, what do you do if that happens? I can't remember that ever happening, or at least <laughs> not in the past 20 or 30 years. Something will always come out. Um, occasionally, it's not real good, but usually <laughs> something will come out and something usable usable will come out. That's great. Well, you mentioned on your blog that you've sold more more than 60 reprints this year. I'm curious, where are you selling these reprints to? Well, some of them, a uh, publisher uh, is going to release three collections of my short stories. So uh, several of them are, are in those three collections. And then others are just um, editors contacting me saying, you know, I'd, I'd like to reprint this. Or I'm doing a reprint anthology or reprint publication. Do you have anything that fits these guidelines that I could look at? So I've kind of reached the point where I'm not working as hard to find markets. Markets are finding me, um, both for original and for reprint. And and I'm curious about these collections that you just mentioned, collections of your short stories. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? When they'll be published and are they themed? Okay, well... These particular collections, way back in the day, I used to write a lot of erotica. And this particular publisher has started a line of erotic um, anthologies and erotic novels. Uh, it's called Untreed After Dark. And so what I did is I put together all of my gay erotica into three themed anthology, three themed collections. And the first one's supposed to be out before the end of the year, and the next two are supposed to be out next year. That's great. And I'm curious, have you ever considered putting together a collection of your mystery short stories since you've written um, so many mystery stories? Actually, there's another publisher right now who's looking at uh, a collection. Um, I won't give the name of the publisher because sure. they haven't given me a yes or a no yet. Yeah. But they were really interested in my proposal. And uh, so I'm just waiting to see if, they, if they're going to go for it. So it was a bunch of stories that are uh, thematically related. Well, well, given your extensive writing career, I'm curious, what writing advice would you offer for those who are writing their own stories or novels? Um, I'm not sure my advice has changed much since the last time we talked. <laughs> if you want to be a writer, you have to read and read extensively. And if you want to, you also have to write and you have to write often and you know, whatever your process is, whether it's, you know, an hour in the morning or eight hours on a Saturday, find a rhythm that works and produce the words. You're, you have to just keep writing. And the more you write, the better you're going to get. And then you have to make sure you have to get those stories out to publishers. You have to submit. And through your rejections and acceptances and, and comments editors make, you will, you will get better. 
And I'm curious, do you have a submission process given all of the submissions that you've made? Um, as I said, a lot of my work these days is by invitation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not having to search for markets as much as I once was. Um, but there was a point, uh, five or six years ago, I know when we spoke last time, I had some steady markets that I was selling to tremendous numbers of stories, but the market changed dramatically. A lot of my publishers, they went belly up. And so there was a point where everybody I was writing for disappeared and I had to basically start over. And that process was spending a lot of time on the internet, at newsstands, looking for markets and trying to figure out where, where am I turning my career? Which direction? Where's the markets of what I like to write and what's available? And it just takes time to find them. And now I'm, I've got some steady markets again not quite buying the volume that I was able to sell 10 years ago, but it's just a process. It's a constant search for new markets. Interesting. And I'm curious, are there particular short story writers that are working today that you enjoy or that you would recommend either mystery or horror or suspense or, or any genre? I would suggest any writer, especially in the mystery field, should read John Floyd, John M. Floyd. He writes predominantly mysteries, and his stories are clean, they're well plotted. They're, if I could imitate his, of all the writers that exist right now, if I could imitate John and not be me, that would be absolutely wonderful. So he's somebody to, to learn from and to read regularly. There are some up-and-comers um, that are doing really well. Uh, Stacy Woodson, um, Andrew Hearn, uh, Hugh Lessig, um, Nils Gilbertson. Those are newer writers that are starting to make real headway, and I think they're going to be major players one day. Um, Stacy's already won two Derringer Awards. Uh, Andrew, who sold his first story to me a couple of years ago, has already garnered an Edgar nomination. Um, you know, so, so those are people to watch for. That's great. Um, and I'm curious, are you working on new short stories or new novel now? I mean, it sounds like you always have a short story in progress. I always got, I always have a short story in progress. I'm doing a lot more editing than I used to. So I'm not writing as much new material, but I'm constantly writing. I'm, there's always something in the hopper. <laughs> Well, what novels or short story collections have you have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, well, I've read uh, Sean Cosby, S.A. Cosby's last two novels. He's won major awards for both of them. I would, I absolutely love them both. Um, then there's uh, Five Decembers by James Kestrel. That was absolutely excellent. Um, yeah, among among the novels, those those are the the ones I would start with right now that I would recommend highly. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your writing? At uh, crimefictionwriter.com. And then um, my blog, uh, crimefictionwriter.blogspot.com, but I don't post there much anymore because I'm now a regular blogger and a group blog called sleuthsayers.com. 
and I'm there every third Tuesday, and I'm, I do more extensive uh, commentary and, and essays there. My blog is just kind of a, hey, here's what I just sold, or here's what I just finished writing, or whatever. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Michael Bracken, prolific short story writer and anthology editor. You can find information on Michael's website about his novels, many short stories, and the many short story collections that he has edited or anthologies that he's edited. And Michael, thanks for doing this interview. Well, thank you very much for asking me. Maybe we can talk again in another 13 years and have more to, more to discuss. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Uh, Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.